something inside of me that it's like, why are you sitting idle right now? There are people that are that are confused and they're caught up in a lifestyle and all we're doing is yelling at them, telling them to change their lifestyle because we don't care about who they are. We don't like what they're doing. This is the unseen story. First-hand accounts that reveal the supernatural reality of God's love. When his love leads, a remarkable story follows. You're listening to Jesse's story, In Need of the Gospel. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. I grew up in a small Assemblies of God church. I, I never did drugs. I never, I've had literally two shots of alcohol in my whole life. And they were on, one of them was a part of a, a Spanish church communion. I didn't know it was alcohol. I thought I was going to die. Like I did everything according to the way that the church had said. And the, the truth is that there are so many things that are out there that a while ago, before I started intentionally going out sharing the gospel, would have scared the snot out of me. But now, like, I, man, my heart burns for these people. They're locked. Yesterday, when I was sharing the gospel with these, these people on their porch, one of the stories, we, after they had given their lives to the Lord, we, we cheered for them. And the lady, literally, the one lady looked like she was about to cry. Her name was Christy. And we, I explained, there's a story that Jesus tells to illustrate what happens when people get saved. And he was talking about the, the, the lady who lost her coin. And I said, you guys have lost stuff, right? You know, and you, you literally, you, you uproot the entire house to find your key. You, you'll do anything to find it. And I, in this particular story, the lady was looking for a coin. And said it talks about how she, she did everything she could to find the coin. She's, you know, going through every laundry basket. She's going through absolutely everything. And then when she finds it, it says that there is rejoicing. And like I said that this is, you know, we're rejoicing because the reality is that all of heaven is rejoicing over the decision that what was lost is now found. And this is the reality that we're facing is, is we forget what it feels like to be lost. So I, there's a lot of things that I don't know anything about. And for a long time, honestly, I really wrestled with, with who I can share the gospel with because you would hear people say, well, you know, unless you're a gangbanger, you're really not going to relate to gangbangers and you're not going to know how to say this or that and blah, 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 blah. And there was a day I was standing in a prison and I, I had to share the gospel six times in a prison with six different groups of 30 to 50 inmates. And there's only one officer in there and I'm scared out of my mind. And I have very little in my past and in my present that I feel is relevant. If I were to try to sit there and think about the things we had in common, I'd be like, well, we probably both like Chick-fil-A. We've not done the same types of things. We didn't grow up. I grew up in the, on a farm. You grew up in the hood. Like, there's very little that we could find that's in common. But the Lord just brought to mind this one particular encounter that I had had in Elkhart where I was sharing the gospel with a, a homosexual young man. So when Revive came in 2015, they came in about uh, at January 12th was the first day, and um, I mean, in February, I had uh, quit my job, so my last day was February 5th. They ended up going for 52 days, and so for the last half of the, the outreach, I was able to go out almost every day. There's this woman that travels around with Revive. She's not necessarily on 
the TCR team, but she is uh, a steady person. She's retired. She's just at every city we do. And we were on a team. Uh, our team felt led to go to the library. So we walk in and, you know, I see that there's this, uh, this group of three people. Two of them are, are these young black girls, teenage girls that are eating Wendy's. And then there's a white girl sitting beside them and they're all kind of talking. And so my team and I, there's, uh, two girls, one girl my age and then me and then Belita. I ended up talking to these three young ladies with, uh, one of the other, uh, younger people on my team. And we were just talking and I, I don't know. At the time, I was still new, very, very new to sharing the gospel. And so I had gone over there and started talking to them. And they just, the two black girls were like literally wanted nothing to do with what I had to say. And so the only person that was paying attention was the white girl. And so when I asked, you know, well, what is your name? She told me that her name was Joshua. And then explained that she didn't appreciate that I was calling her a her. Uh, or a she, and she wanted me to say he, that she was in fact a man and that she just dressed the way she did. And I, I, I just apologized. And I was like, man, I'm really sorry. You look like a girl and I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I, it, I'm sorry. I had not, I'm, I'll do my best. I'll do my best to call you a he, but I, you know, in all fairness, you do dress this way. And she, he said, you, you know, you're right. That, that is fair. Uh, I, you know, I started trying to go through the gospel, and it just wasn't going very well. And I could tell it seemed very, I don't know, I just was fake. Like, like I didn't care for the kid. Finally, Valida uh, found us and came over, and there was this moment when, uh, you know, we had asked them about, you know, what do you, like, what do you think about this? He just goes, you know, I, I do not believe that, that Jesus loved me. And he goes, I, I don't believe that, that anybody loves me. And he started telling us about how, as a kid, his parents, who were not divorced, who made a lot of money, who had, he had multiple siblings, his parents, even though they could afford him and they could keep him, still chose to give him up to the foster care system. And so he went from house to house to house to house to house to house to house. He said he was usually in two houses a year because nobody wanted him. And he was telling us, he goes, I, I really don't care, you know, what, what you have to say. He goes, I do not believe that, that people love me. He goes, I've been to church after church and nobody will let me stay. Everywhere I go, I get kicked out. Everywhere. And Valida just kind of like, kicked it into what I call high gear. I wasn't even, I was just sitting there at this point and listening. And she just looks at him and goes, what did this say? And she opens up the Bible to the red verse and she goes, read that again. And so he reads the verse again and she goes, what did it say? It says that he died for you and for me and for Jesse. And she's like, like literally puts her finger in my chest and it hurts. <laughs> and she just goes, your sin, my sin, his sin, it's all the same sin. And she goes, in the same way that you deserve death, I deserve death. And Jesse deserved death. Like, you can tell me you don't believe it all you want. But the truth is, he loved you even though you were a sinning, crazy person. Like, and, and for, for me, I had never heard the gospel presented like that in a setting outside of a church. 
you know, where, you know, but here is somebody in real time going after somebody because she loved them. And you could tell she just loved this kid. And here I was, this supposed good Christian who really just, it didn't matter to me when I started that conversation whether he got saved or not. Uh, especially when I found out, you know, about the fact that it was a boy. Like, naturally, I just went to judgment. Uh, or, you know, like, well, you brought it upon yourself. Like, you're just reaping what you sowed. Like, and the, the truth is, like, this is a kid that is living out an action that is really the result of a constant state of feeling unwanted. And, you know, it, it really, it, it ended in a weird spot. Uh, we had, he, he chose not to get saved. And because we had shared with him so long, he missed his ride to where he was going. So we ended up giving him a ride and we, we really tried to let him know that we loved him. But that particular day, the biggest thing that I got out of it was the reality that I am a self-righteous jerk. And, and I really don't love people as well as I should. I care a lot about myself, and I care very little about the things that Jesus cares about. And more than anything, man, I, I could honestly say that before that, I cared very little about the, the LGBTQ community. Uh, it, you know... And now I, I just, I look at all of them and I'm just like, man, they're just people. You know, I come from a middle class, but kind of the bottom end of the middle class. And, you know, you always look at, there's the poor and then there's the rich, but you're not either of them, right? And for me, like, I had to learn to love rich people. That, that they're not all jerks and they're not all condescending. And some of them are really good people. And, you know, and, and but still... Jesus loves them too. Now, sure, like Jesus said that it would be harder for a rich man to get saved than for a poor man. But the truth is that doesn't mean you quit talking to rich men. It just means you recognize the reality that it's going to be harder for them. And I think like for some of us who do this a lot, it's easier for us to go to the poor because we know like they're desperate. They'll do any, anything to get me out of this funk that I'm in. I just need help. And, and they're at a place to where they recognize, I need Jesus because I need help. And, like, rich people don't need anything a lot of times. And so, I, man, I, it's not that I feel guilty. I don't know how to say it. I'm compelled. There, there's literally something inside of me that it's like, why are you sitting idle right now? You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, there, there are people that are, that are confused and they're caught up in a lifestyle and all we're doing is yelling at them, telling them to change their lifestyle because we don't care about who they are. We care about their morality because we don't like, we don't like what they're doing or whatever. And the reason their actions are what they are is because there's a symptom on the inside. There's something inside of them causing them to do this. And they're just bound to their flesh. We've all been there. And I've had to learn to care about the things that Jesus cared about and cares about. And, you know, that there are people out there that that I will spend hours with now that before I would not have. And that particular day in Elkhart, that, that day changed my life. That presentation of the gospel was the first time that I really felt like, you're right, even as a Christian, I need this message just as much as this person. 
I, I still need the gospel as much as Joshua needs the gospel. What I realized, my mentality was not, you need the gospel so you can be better. The reality was, we all need the gospel. I am a part of this mess. But because of Jesus, I can stand before you claim. And he's offering you the same thing. Thank you for listening. We believe that God drew you to this podcast today. We pray that you would ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that he is trying to tell you through this story? We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share his stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org.